It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast, the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Uh, well, let's uh, try and uh, have some cheer. Let's uh, talk to Mel Stride. He's chair of the Treasury Select Committee and is a Conservative MP and joins us now. Good morning to you. Good morning, Good Julia. Morning. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, um, the budget uh, plan for November has been axed, given the amount of uncertainty we've got at the moment. But the Chancellor issues an act, Mr. Uh, I suppose Saviour uh, throughout this uh, entire uh, uh, crisis, uh, is going to launch his winter economy plan today. Now, we are expecting that uh, furlough due to end on October the 31st. Obviously, redundancy notices possibly likely will have, they have to go out by uh, 1st of October for many of the 3 million still on furlough. Um, we understand that he's going to replace that with with some more targeted measures, wage subsidy scheme to top up pay of people who work at least half their normal hours, um, an extension of business loans and maybe extending VAT uh, that was cut for hospitality and tourism industries uh, to 5% and extending that to March. Um, assuming all these measures do go ahead in some form um, and these briefings to the newspapers have been correct, are those going to be enough? Well, it depends what you mean by enough. I think it's fair to say that very sadly um, there are there is going to be an increase in unemployment. But what the uh, Chancellor's really got to do is to try and do two things here. One is uh, to support those jobs uh, which can make it through the crisis with support and will be viable in the medium to long term. But he's also got to make sure that the scheme doesn't stand in the way or hold back the transition of jobs out of those areas where they're not viable in the medium to long term and into the areas where viability can be established. And that's where I think of the things you mentioned there, uh, the possible wage subsidy part-time working scheme based on pretty much the, the German Kurzarbeit scheme could be quite effective. And that's the key measure that I'll be looking for him to uh, announce uh, later on today. Um, I mean, and not that I think the government should be spending its time worrying about PR rather than uh, actually getting the job done. Uh, but there's been quite a lot of criticism that we, we have these new announcements, massive hit to uh, businesses in the the, the uh, trap, the, the the hospitality industry, pubs and restaurants, we're told, you know, a huge number of those, a quarter even, could end up going bust this year as a result. And big hit on footfall for retail as well as a result of these new uh, measures. Um, that we have to wait a few days before we find out that there is going to be any help. Rishi Snack has repeatedly said he's not extending the furlough scheme. Dominic Raab, the foreign secretary, out and about on the media yesterday saying the Chancellor isn't minded to do that. Uh, we've got, you know, the Labour Party, Keir Starmer calling for uh, these extra measures. And it's only today we're going to get them. Wouldn't it have been wise for the government? 
government to say, right, we're announcing these measures, they're coming into force, but don't worry, before they come into force, we are going to announce what financial help we're going to give you. Shouldn't they have given that reassurance a little bit sooner? Well, you want reassurance and you want measures as quickly as is possible. The problem here, Julia, is that everything is changing rapidly, uh, quickly. Um, and so, for example, the Prime Minister announcing uh, further lockdowns was a decision which could only have been taken recently on the very latest uh, evidence. And I think the fact that the Chancellor is, I have to say, fairly swiftly coming to the House of Commons uh, with a package uh, to support jobs going forward uh, is actually quite a good sign. But oh, it is. You know, no, it is very quick. No doubt at all. But shouldn't they have said we, I mean, he's he's not just come up with this last night at eight o'clock? He would have been working on this since since you know before Monday. They should have not. They should have said to people who are worried about their jobs, worried about their businesses and said, don't worry, we're going to give you some help. But we'll announce it on Thursday when we've got it all ready. Well, I, I think the Chancellor has always made it clear right from the beginning, and his expression was, well, do, do whatever it takes uh, to support the economy and support jobs. So I don't think that overarching approach uh, has changed. But um, things like, for example, the decision to um, uh, have our pubs uh, shutting at 10 o'clock and people now being encouraged to work from home rather than going into the office, etc., were very recent decisions, and they will have an impact on what will be brought forward. So you're absolutely right that, of course, they'll have been studying and working on these things at the Treasury uh, for some uh, reasonable amount of time. But at the same time, uh, knowing exactly what he's dealing with is something that's changing very quickly in, in real time. Um, it's it's very tough to get these things absolutely spot on. But let's see what he has to say later today. No, indeed. And I think a lot of people have a lot of sympathy on those, on those grounds. And there's been a huge amount of help that's given out. There are there are millions of people who miss out on that help. And unfortunately, there are always going to be people who slip through on that. Um, but you, you mentioned a couple of times, you know, the evidence and the government changing its policies on this. I'm not going to bang on about this. But um, yesterday, um, when I spoke to Dominic Rubb, the foreign secretary, and I asked him that when the cabinet discussed this, and we had a very long cabinet meeting, and we know there are many including the business secretary and the chancellor, who, who are very unhappy about uh, some of these new measures uh, being pushed by uh, Matt Hancock uh, and others, that, that there has been no evidence. The SAGE committee were not asked to look at the, the economic impact or in, no, sorry, the, economic, the, the, the health impact of closing pubs at 10 o'clock uh, and closing restaurants at 10 o'clock. They didn't actually look at whether or not that would have any reasonably large if, or, or any effect at all on cutting the spread of the virus. Um, there, it's very clear there hasn't been very much evidence at all. When I asked whether what the cost benefit analysis was of taking these measures, which the government clearly thinks are, uh, are, are the right measures to take and have a lot of public support, but but have they actually done any analysis of what the impact will be and what the long term costs of that impact would be? Uh, Dominic Robb said, well, you couldn't discuss what's happening. But frankly, from what he had to say, it was very clear to me that there has been no cost benefit analysis and there has not been any proper evidence that these measures uh, are actually going to have a net positive effect rather than a net negative effect. Does that not concern you as the chair of the Treasury Select Committee? Well, I think it's certainly the case that as with the economic uh, side of things, the health side of things is very uncertain and very unpredictable and difficult to know exactly what's going to happen. For example, um, there's a lag between infections and hospitalizations and mortality, as we know. And it's not clear that whilst uh, the level of um, cases is spiking up at the moment, it's not clear whether that's going to translate into the kind of same levels um, of mortalities that we had in the first wave. And unfortunately, because there's that lag between uh, cases and mortality, uh, we're going to have to wait and not know the answers to that question. So I think to get back to your question, 
Um, it's just very difficult to be absolutely certain. In fact, you can't be certain about the effect of any of these particular measures other than your best efforts at getting it right. And personally, uh, I don't sit on sage. I'm not privy to their discussions, but these people are ep epidemiological yeah. experts. So, no, some I, of them, uh, lots of them aren't. Ultimately, Julia, just to finish, when, when you talk about the cost-benefit analysis, I, I, I think that there's more of a point there because it's down to government to make uh, those judgments. And I, I think there probably is a question as to whether the longer-term impacts of lockdown, for example, which will lead to a smaller economy, which in turn will lead to pressure on our health services, which in turn will almost certainly lead to worse health outcomes going forward over the months and years ahead, as to whether that is being taken into account. Um, and I don't know the answer to that question, but my feeling is that it should be. Well, it certainly should be. I point out, I mean, lots of people on stage actually are not epidemiologists. Uh, actually, they're, they're yeah. behavioural scientists. Or others. Um, but no, I bow to their expertise in this field. But my point is, it, it has been made very clear. Sage have confirmed. They, Sage were not asked to provide analysis of the health benefits uh, uh, in terms of the tracking, uh, in terms of the spread of the virus of the 10 p.m. curfew on, on restaurants and bars. I would expect a major measure like that that has huge impact on people's jobs and people's lives uh, and livelihoods and businesses in the future. I would expect there to to be a clear set of analysis that said we will save X number of lives in this scenario or in this scenario if we carry out this measure. We think the spread is in this scenario or, or as opposed to that scenario. And and if there is no evidence of that, the, the evidence from Public Health England is that 10 times more um, outbreaks of coronavirus coming from uh, care homes rather than from restaurants and bars, um, which tells us that perhaps these measures are being taken for no reason. People are going to lose their jobs, lose their businesses, and there's no actual um, health reason for this to happen well, well i think the government's made it fairly clear haven't they that the reason why uh, pubs and bars are unfortunately uh, ha have to close at 10 o'clock is because in terms of uh, human to human transmission the later on in the evening the more drinks people have had, the, the the perhaps the more careless they become in their social distancing etc and it would seem to be fairly logical that that would have a positive impact uh, in that sense as to whether that needs to be translated into a kind of line by line audit of every single measure and exactly what the government thinks it will do in terms of lives. I suspect that's a very uh, complex and, and, and difficult analysis. But one has to assume that in the round, the committee and the government have looked at these issues. <laughs> Trying to strike a balance between, on the one hand, damage to the economy and on yeah. the other hand, uh, getting on top of... Okay. Uh, there's a spike in infections. Okay, I know I'm banging on, but I'm just saying. That, but they, they, they've literally told us that they didn't do that. And that's what I don't understand. I don't know how you can make these decisions about people's well, lives I, jobs well, no, without people... carrying out that analysis. I thought we should have evidence-based government of this country. I, I, we're yeah. making, there, uh, there must be some, you, you can't predict everything, but you should make an attempt to well, do I can't, Julia, I can't believe that they've taken a decision to uh, ask all the pubs in the country to close at, or require them to close at 10 o'clock without having based that on evidence and a sensible discussion. Then, then I suggest, things. Mr Stride, and, and with so all due respect, that you, you make sure you do actually ask the Chancellor next time he's before you what their evidence was for that, because my, the, the reports are that SAGE did not carry out any any analysis of that. Anyway, we're going to have to leave it there. Um, and uh, apologies for that, but I do, I do need to move on. Chair of the Treasury Select Committee, uh, Mel Stride there. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley-Brewer and The Times. Be well informed. Let's talk to Peter Foster about this. He's been covering all this very closely indeed. He's public policy editor at the Financial Times and author of their weekly Brexit briefing. Good morning to you, Peter. Morning, Julia. I mean, this was billed, this was something that we've been around for a few weeks, people knowing about this. It's been leaked before. But um, this is a, a reasonable worst case scenario prepared by government officials. Um it's got, I mean, it's it's fairly laughable, is it not? Or do you think this is something that's really going to happen? Well, I, listen, I, I, I think, you know, you have to remember that after 30 years of being in the single market, we're going overnight into, uh, uh, we're going back in time. We're going back to 1992 when there used to be 200 customs offices in Kent. Now there are 17. Uh, and I think the government's pretty clear that only about a quarter of businesses are now fully ready to complete those forms. And the EU is clear that the forms need to be in order before any trucks uh, go to uh, Calais. And of course, you know, 10,000 trucks a day. You know, we saw it actually just the other week. There was a security alert and there was you know, very long tailbacks in, in, in Kent. So whether it's 7,000 or 2,000, I think the government now is pretty much nailed on that there will be several weeks, if not two or three months of fairly significant disruption. Uh, before business gets its head round how to fill out these forms and how to how to navigate these borders. But don't you think, I mean, after your first lorry is stopped and because they don't have the right forms, do you not think people who are able to run profit-making businesses will be able to fill out a form? If the form is that complicated, let's change the form. Uh, but if it's uh, if it's incompetence by the companies, well, those companies aren't going to survive very long, are they? But I, I, lots of people are saying, it's, isn't it awful that only a quarter of businesses are fully ready to do this? How can anyone be fully ready? We don't know what the terms are going to be on the 1st of uh, January. If I was a business owner and I was asked that question, I'd say I wasn't ready because I don't know what the forms will be. I don't know whether we're having a trade deal or not. No, absolutely. And, and you know, there are some questions the government can't answer. There are some questions the government could answer, for example, guidance on how businesses get simplified customs procedure. That's still not out. Uh, you know, the French have had their uh, border IT system for Brexit. It was up and running last year. We voted to leave the EU four years ago, and the UK's goods vehicle movement system, GBMS, still isn't ready, nor is the smart freight web portal that uh, businesses are supposed to use to get these permits for access into Kent, not ready. So I think, you know, there's a bit of blame on both sides here. You are right, Julia, that the government's hope is that 
business, as you say, once it's had a couple of trucks stuck at the border, uh, will fill the forms incorrectly next time. Of course, one of the problems there is that these forms are genuinely highly complicated. Vet certificates, uh, uh, you know, if you look at these forms, they're not, you know, they're, they're more complicated than your average self-assessment tax form, I can tell you. Oh, good Lord, that the is complicated. Question, <laughs> yeah, the question is, who's going to help you fill them out? Uh, and this is where you get back to where, whether we have enough trained customs people, experienced people, uh, to do the paperwork. Because one of the things the government's assuming is that businesses who already trade with the rest of the world will be, you know, ready and raring to go to trade with Europe. They'll be used to doing the paperwork. But actually, they're quite different things. Putting a shipping container on a ship to China that's on the sea for 30 days and it's got one thing in it is very different from European trade, which because it's grown up frictionless until we put the frictions back in, it's about sending small packets of goods at high speed to places that don't really have warehouses. They just take the goods and they dump them on the shelves, take the goods, dump them in the production line. And of course, there's also a question about whether on the EU side, there's you know enough capacity to handle this sudden influx of 10,000 yeah. uh, trucks a day coming from the UK. Uh, because on both sides, the kind of customs experience that we used to have has now uh, withered away because we haven't used it for 30 years. Yeah, I mean, look, there's no doubt at all. Again, we, as you say, we're, re we're recreating some of the friction. But again, a lot of this will depend on how many lorries are actually stopped and whether the French decide they want to uh, be as awkward as possible on this and whether that's in their interest, because let's face it, isn't in their interest. Just finally and briefly, because we're heading uh, into the news, um, negotiations, though. Michel Barnier arrived in London yesterday uh, and for another another uh, sort of unannounced round of negotiations. Lots of talk that actually progress is now being made. Everyone started focusing a little bit more on that 15th of October summit deadline. Yeah, I'm nervous about talking about progress, frankly, Julia. I think there's been some tinkering <laughs> yeah, the Yeah, the doom and gloom. Come on. Yeah, I think there's been some tinkering around the edges, but I think on the really big stuff, which is about subsidies, about the level playing field, if we want a zero tariff, zero quota deal for our stuff going into the EU, the EU is still asking quite a lot more than I think Downing Street's prepared to give. And I talk to both sides and I hear both sides expecting the other one's going to fold. And I'm still not totally clear uh, uh, whether both sides are expecting too much of each other. So okay. I'm still on the nervous end of things at the moment. Yeah, that's because you think no deal's a bad thing. <laughs> Peter Foster from the Financial Times. Thank you. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley-Brewer and the Times. Know your times. Right now, let's talk about, well, an awful lot of pubs and restaurants uh, really facing a lot of difficulty ahead uh, with the new 10pm curfew. It comes into force tonight. Let's talk to Luke Johnson. He's a former chairman of Pizza Express. He now chairs Gales Artisan Bakery and the Brighton Peer Group. Good morning to you, Luke. Morning. Morning. Now, you've been someone who's been, I would best fairly be described as a lockdown sceptic throughout. It's where we differ. I, I was in at the time in favour of the, the first lockdown for the reasons given at the time. Uh, the new measures, though, I, I'm, as my lovely long-suffering listener will know, I, I, I don't think they are justified. What is your concern in terms of how this is going to affect the hospitality industry? I think the biggest damage is being done by the uh, ramping up of fear and the scaremongering. And uh, I'm afraid to say that um, when um, Balance and Witty showed their uh, prediction, which they said wasn't a prediction, the chart projecting exponential growth of um, the, the disease, uh, I think that was a very frightening image. And I think that's what stuck in a lot of members of the public's mind. And I think that may well mean that people will go out less they will stay at home more. They're obviously being asked to work from home more already. 
and uh, this will inevitably have serious consequences for um, uh, you know those operating in the hospitality industry and um, it's already in a very fragile state uh, and this may well tip a lot of businesses over the edge. Well, indeed. And look, people who are, are much better at the, m- the numbers than I am uh, made it really, really clear that the, the graph that was shown, again, Patrick Balance said twice, not a prediction, uh, but uh, a, a possible scenario, an example scenario. But it was an example scenario that does not is not borne out at all by the figures we've got at the moment in terms of growth of hospitalizations or deaths or indeed what's happened in Spain or France. But it brought out a lot of fear. Um, I've looked at some polling today which says that, um, uh, and, and this, I mean, really quite extraordinarily, uh, the number of people who support, the percentage of people who support uh, another complete national lockdown is 44%. Closing all restaurants, pubs and bars, not at 10pm, but closing them for properly, 51% support. Indeed, a curfew for everybody, not just leaving the pub by 10, but not being out of your house between 10pm and 5am, 59% support. Um, so we are seeing people, it's not just they're going, oh, I'll have to go to the pub a bit earlier or go and book a restaurant meal a little bit earlier than I would have. We're talking about people just simply not leaving their homes at all now. This is completely irrational. Right now, coronavirus is accounting for 1% of deaths. And yet, in the public's mind, they think it is far, far worse than that. Uh, As it happens, according to Public Health England, England, outbreaks of um, coronavirus in uh, the hospitality industry, pubs and restaurants, only accounts for 5% of all outbreaks. Most of them happen in schools or workplaces or even care homes. So it really isn't uh, sensible to demonise the pub and restaurant industry as the cause of uh, the spread of uh, the disease. And anyhow, I, I'm afraid to say that I think, as ever, the government have not put alongside the uh, new rules, the costs of this. There is never any cost-benefit analysis. And the jobs lost, the businesses bankrupted, the school disrupted, the uh, knock-on effects on other NHS treatments. And as ever, all these collateral hurts and consequences of increased lockdown and increased fear are not being taken into account, I believe. And that's the worry, of course, because there is not just a, a an economic impact of people losing their jobs. We know there's a massive health impact, people losing their jobs, a horrific uh, increase we often see uh, in, in mental health problems, but also in suicides uh, of people who lose their jobs. One quarter of pubs and restaurants, we're warned now, could go bust this year. Those, those restaurants and pubs and bars have just about survived uh, with the furlough scheme, just about managing to survive with the help from the Eat Out to Help Out uh, scheme in August and just clinging on thinking, well, we've got Christmas coming, some Christmas parties, people out and about, back at work, we'll be able to, you know, come close to breaking even, we we can manage to get through the year. Well, that, I mean, Christmas parties, New Year's Eve parties, big family get-togethers, we were coming back to the office, that's not going to happen this year now. Um, what are the fears that you have for for a lot of your your uh, companions uh, uh, colleagues in the in the hospitality industry? What sort of number of closures and job losses are you predicting? Many of them are in despair. They feel incredibly demoralised, and uh, you know we still have three million people on furlough. Uh, that scheme ends at the end of October. You have to wonder whether if people are still on furlough, there's really a job for them to go back to. So, I would expect that up to a million of those three million 
uh, are to lose their jobs. And as you say, the misery that unemployment causes is not being taken into account, I don't think, by the government in terms of these draconian measures and the you know, scaremongering propaganda that they keep pumping out, which accounts for these extraordinary reactions from these uh, public surveys. Um, and I, I just think that the government is failing to get the uh, balance right and the risks in proportion. And it's um, communicating that uh, untrammeled fear across the country. And I don't think that's doing us a public service. No, indeed. And it does seem to me that people are just totally unaware of, of what the risks are to people. Uh, even, you know, even someone with a number of serious underlying problems in their health, uh, who's in their 80s, um, ha- has uh, has an 80 percent chance of surviving coronavirus if they get it. Um, for the rest of us, pretty much everyone in the population has a 99.9% chance of surviving coronavirus. And I do think we need to get, as you say, this this risk. It is a risk. It's real. It's not a hoax. But we need to put it in proportion with other risks and other long-term effects of these policies. Uh, thank you for joining us. Luke Johnson, uh, former uh, chair of Pizza Express, and now with Gales Artisan Bakery and uh, Brighton Peer Group. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.